Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. All right, we are back. Yes, hello. Another episode of Balls and Brew. My name is Rod Morgan. I will serve as your host. This podcast is executively produced by James Jamriska. And joining me, as always, you just heard from him, but he's my co-host. He's down there in North Carolina. It's Chris King. Chris, hello. How's it going, Rod? I'm pretty good. I, uh, the NBA is back, right? We had the Celtics just dispatched with the Knicks. We got the uh, the Golden State Warriors getting ready to suit up here. The NBA is back. I'm fired up. The All-Star break's over. You know, I actually did not pay attention to All-Star weekend is that as I, I paid attention to the, the rising stars like quad games, but like other than that, I really did not pay attention. Is that bad uh, of me as an NBA fan? The, apparently, Saturday night was one of the worst Saturday nights in a long time. I was at a bowling alley on Saturday night celebrating my uh, birthday, so I was not partaking in Saturday night. But I watched the All Star game on Sunday, and I thought that the Elam ending was rather cool, where they post the 24 points, and that's the score you got to get to. And then LeBron literally ended the game on a make in Cleveland. I thought that was all pretty cool. Yeah, well, when you have a game that is going to a certain point, you got to think that LeBron is going to take over and get it done. He most certainly did. And let me just ask you this then. Coming out of the All-Star break, what has you most excited for these last... Basically, It's basically like 26 games, really. It's only about a quarter of the season that's left for teams because of the way the schedule fell this year. What are you most excited to see in this last quarter of the season? Well, I... One that you just already mentioned on to see if Boston's torrid pace from right before the All-Star break can continue. Like That was the one team that probably did not want to see a break in the action because they were hot. So I'd like to see if they can continue. And the East really is where the conversation for me is. Yeah, it's uh, you. You could convince me any number of teams are going to be two through seven right now. I mean, there's any number of jockeying that can go on with all of those teams. Your Celtics, your 76ers, your Cavaliers, your Bucks, your even Nets, your Hornets are going to be yeah. right in there. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, and and who knows? Some kind of weird miracle could happen. The Knicks could get back up in there. You know, weirder things know. have happened. I don't know, man. I think Tom Thibodeau might be the first coach gone in the offseason at this point. I think you're right. I think I think he'd be gone even if they were to make the playoffs anyway. Yeah, it's 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 just that thing with Tibbs, man, which is what I which is what I cautioned people against when Tibbs first became the Knicks coach. I was like, okay, it's gonna work for a little while, but Tibbs is not a long term guy. He just grinds people too hard. Yeah, he doesn't handle rotations well. Like you know your team's gonna play defense well, but like he doesn't swap them in and out. He, he runs him into the ground. He he. I mean, it's almost like you better have five workhorses on that team if you want to expect to succeed for longer than one year. Yeah, and and the Knicks are, are showing that the the Minnesota Timberwolves thing kind of went up in flames. The Bulls kind of subsisted for about three to four years, I guess, but then that all went under. And I'm sure we probably. Are, I mean, you know, you don't get many more than three chances in the NBA. The NBA is completely the retread league, but I think this could be the the final swan song for one Tom Thibodeau as a coach on the sideline. And speaking of your Bulls, are they going to hold on to that number one seed? Is it is it down to them in Miami? Do you think Philly has a shot? I, I think that's going to all be dependent on James Harden, which is certainly something I'm excited to see here this second half of the year. I'm not a huge James Harden fan. I'm certainly He's playing not a tomorrow. 
Yeah, I'm certainly not a Ben Simmons fan, but to see what both of these guys are going to do for their new teams, what it's going to mean for them, is certainly something that's got me my interest peaked. But my number one storyline for the second half of the year is the Lakers. I mean, I know that that's trite and that everybody talks about the Lakers all the time, and LeBron's been the biggest star in the NBA for 20 years, but I'm not going to come off of that. I just think it's absolutely amazing what's going on with the Lakers, all of the trouble that LeBron started for the Lakers over All-Star Weekend, praising every GM under the sun, not his GM, saying that he wants to openly play with his son wherever his son does play. I mean, LeBron was stirring up trouble, and I just, I, I'm just, i fascinated to see what the Lakers do, if they crater or if they actually get it together and become a team you don't want to see in the playoffs. I know, and that's the thing. They have the talent that you don't want to see them in the playoffs, especially if everybody's healthy, because um, they'll take you to seven games, and then you, you got to – beat LeBron in the one game and that's going to be tough. I don't care who you are. Um, I don't think anybody was surprised when he said that he wants to play with his son in the NBA. Of course he would. Who who wouldn't want that to happen in all reality? Yeah, but I must but, admit, I'm a little I'm a little surprised that he said the quiet part out loud, right? It's one thing for all of us <laughs> to know that and it's another thing for him to just outwardly say it. Yeah, but I mean, he's just being honest and that's going to make his son happy. And let's be honest, isn't that what's most important for him probably? It's also his going to son, juice his son draft stock at this point because a lot well, of people look at him as a late first rounder or a second rounder. But if you know if you draft Brian, right. you're getting LeBron, even if it's just gate. I mean, you tell me the Indiana Pacers owner isn't going to say to himself, yeah, sign me up for one year, LeBron. I can't get anybody inside whatever that field house is now called. Yeah, no, like that would be the hottest ticket for however long LeBron can keep his shoes laced up, you know? Um, to see them playing together. I was kind of shocked of him essentially throwing shade at his own GM in front office without literally throwing shade at them. I thought it was pretty funny. Well, he's the king of passive aggressive, right? That's the way LeBron always <laughs> does business. You know, like he, he's the king of passive aggressive. But the funny thing about it, right, is that LeBron essentially started this fire. Then he kind of walked around the block, came back and was like, hey, man, what's up with this fire? You know what I mean? It's like the Lakers absolutely wanted to do a different trade. And LeBron was like, no, 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 no. You're going to trade for my guy, Russell Westbrook. And now he's kind of like, man, why'd you guys trade for Russell Westbrook? And it's like, wait a minute. Didn't you tell us to do this? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like. And you're seeing this more and more. Players think that they can be the GM of their team. They think they know what what works and what doesn't. And maybe sometimes it does. I mean, it definitely worked out in Miami with LeBron and Dwayne and and Riley as the coach and the, as the GM there. But you get so many other players that think they're doing that right now. You have reports of. Zion Williamson and New Orleans having issues may not be playing at all this year is essentially coming because he doesn't trust the front office. You so know? Chris, let me ask you this. If we, if like for some reason we were able to get like, let's say Chris Ryan, right? Chris Ryan from the ringer podcast network got traded from the ringer podcast network to here. Do you think that you would send a text message or call Chris Ryan within the first two weeks and welcoming him to the Morgan, Eno podcast network? Or would you just ghost him and be like, ah, oh, man, I'm not ever going to work with that guy. <laughs> two two weeks no no you gotta do that in like the first you know two hours minimum if yeah well apparently zion decided to wait two weeks to text cj mccollum who shockingly also happens to be the president of the nba players association and zion is like yeah i don't care that you're on my team yeah no you you don't want to see that 
They got to trade him, Chris. They got to trade him. You've got to trade Zion right now if you're New it's, Orleans. You've got to get something out of him. I yeah, you have to get something out of him now because he's starting to look like the next Greg Oden. That and he's just looking like even if he does come back and ready to play, he doesn't want to play for you. So you got to get something out of him right now while you still might be able to have a little bit of value that you can recoup. Yeah, and 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 reality too is is they're not doing. I don't think any worse than what they would be doing if he was on the team. I don't think he improves that team the way they're built right now that much I agree more. with you. He's awfully raw right now. The guy still played less than a full NBA season in his three years. You know what I mean? And, and one of that was – and two of them were bubble seasons. You know, he hasn't even had a real training camp. Like, the guy's still way raw, not to mention, like you said, a little injured at the moment. Yeah, I think I think he's right at 82 games for his career, which, again, is three less than what Greg Oden played in his first three years. That's true. That's true. And man, we all thought Odin was going to be can't miss as well. And then it was just over for him. Speaking of over, Chris, let's go to college basketball real quick. I'm going to throw a curveball at you here, but this was certainly huge news over the weekend. Your conference, certainly not either of your teams. You're no fan of Michigan or Wisconsin, but a a (laughs) brouhaha broke out amongst these teams. Juwan Howard, let me see if I got this right. Juwan Howard was mad that the Michigan coach Greg Gard called a timeout in the waning minute of a blowout. And then he had some words with Greg Gard. He was mad that Greg Gard put his hands on him. Then the next thing you knew, Juwan Howard was open hand slapping an assistant <laughs> coach of Wisconsin. And then a riot almost broke out. Did I do a good job of summarizing that? Yeah, pretty close. Uh, you, you said Michigan coach Greg Gard, but that would be the Wisconsin coach. And yeah, oh. they uh, they called two timeouts within the final 44 seconds of the game. And they were up by 14 points or so. Um, Where do you stand on that rule? Did Juwan Howard have a point? Let's start there. You're old school. Did Juwan Howard have a point? Um, if it's not a senior night, then there's no reason to call those timeouts. Unless you're calling those timeouts to get those seniors in, to get them on the floor uh, before the end of the game on senior night, there's no reason to call those timeouts. Okay, you, so you so you so you think Juwan Howard had reason to be mad, but I'm sure you don't think he handled himself correctly. <laughs> well, no, no, you can't you can't try to pimp slap somebody on national TV and think it's okay. All he was missing was the baby powder, like, like right? Somebody was saying in our group text. That's all he was missing was the baby powder. Because it was it was an open handed pimp slap, and I think Juwan Howard's right handed, and that's so that was even his offhand. So. He was looking out for the guy. He didn't really want to injure him. That's why he only got suspended for the year. Yeah, and fine, like forty grand, I think, too, or something to that effect. Oh, he um, deserved to be punished, but the people calling for him to get fired was just way too much. Come on, let's calm down, people. Yeah, no. Um, the and I think I think a lot of the people, the national pundits, especially that are calling for his fired, probably aren't real Big Ten fans because what's a little scrum in a Big Ten game? Really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you could you could turn on and be Northwestern Nebraska, you will see a scrum or two. I mean, that's the Big Ten, especially in basketball. Ooh. So speaking of the Big Ten, then, what do you think of uh, the Big Ten's decision to maybe uh, stop allowing coaches to shake hands after games because of this? I think that's kind of a bit of an overreaction as well, since oh. we're on overreactions right now, don't you? Yeah, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. You're trying to t- – these are still – kids that you are teaching life lessons for and part of that is sportsmanship and that sucks that you know there's a lot of kids in that michigan wisconsin game that didn't learn the correct way to have sportsmanship for either team really 
Man. Yeah, you can't you can't you can't go around thinking that everybody that's against you is your enemy. All right, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of friendly competition and trying to win, but it cannot just be utter destruction of everyone who is against you. That's half the reason we're in so much trouble in this country these days. That'd be like that'd be like after the malice in the palace, the NBA stopped letting people have drinks in the stands. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like like let's not stop people from having drinks. Let's just make sure that bad behavior doesn't occur, right? The same thing. We don't yep. have to stop players and coaches from shaking hands after games. We just have to say, hey Juwan, you do this again, you're in big time trouble. And oh hey, by the way, Greg Gard, you didn't get suspended, but hey bro, let's not put our hands on somebody else. All right. Yeah. I mean that's just, you know, let's yeah, let's comport gotta, ourselves a little bit better there. He got fined too. I think it was only ten grand. Which isn't much for a college basketball coach, especially in Division One. But still, like, yeah, you got to punish them and hope the punishment deters that type of action again. And usually it does. Like, you only saw Bob Knight throw one chair across the court, you know? So That's right. That's right. <laughs> you only saw him bring out a bullwhip one time. You know what I mean? Like, right. Each time the, the general went out of line, they were like, hey, whoa, Bob, we're not doing that again. And he was like, he, oh, I'm sorry. Should I have not done that? If somebody would have told me beforehand. <laughs> He only walked his team off the court one time during the exhibition game. You know, it wasn't something he always did. So exactly, that's what I mean. Once, once, once he tells, he's kind of like George Costanza that way. If somebody would have told me when I started this job that I wasn't supposed to have sex with the cleaning lady, I wouldn't have. Yeah, but no one told me. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We are going to do something completely unexpected here, Chris. We are going to talk baseball. All right. I, 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 I want to spring this on you. You didn't even know that we were going to talk baseball. We're going to have our fellow. Hall of Fame member, along with Father Pete McCormick, Evan Altman, join us here in a minute to tell us all about this baseball lockout. Oh, lockout talk. You know, it's the second longest lockout uh, in Major League Baseball history. That is right. So we will have somebody who knows a bit more about it than Chris and I on the other side to talk about it. And then we may or may not have an old friend joining us after Mr. Altman. I can't confirm it right now. You're going to have to stick around to find out. All right, we are back, and we are graced with a Morgan, you know, Hall of Famer. We don't talk baseball on this podcast very often. The Chicago Cubs have actually been banned from this uh, podcast until further notice, but uh, baseball itself has not been banned, and certainly anytime we get the chance to bring on our good friend, Mr. Evan Altman, from down there near Indianapolis, we will always take that. So, Mr. Altman, good evening. Hello. How you guys doing? We are we are okay. I mean, I'm supposed to be excited about spring training right now. You're supposed to have maybe made a trip out to Arizona to tell us about the the Cubs, like, uh, but that's not happening because on December second, 2021, the owners locked out the players, and we are still there, aren't we? We are, we are, uh, and uh, and as we speak, uh, they are in the midst of what uh, is supposed to be up to maybe a week or so of of uh, kind of. I don't want to say constant, but at least daily meetings between the uh, the Major League Players Union and uh, and the league slash owners uh, to try to hammer out this collective bargaining agreement. So they've been meeting every day since Monday. Uh, for those who were you know listening to this later, we're recording this on a, on a Thursday evening, so they've had four straight days, and um, they've got a couple more before the the imposed deadline for Major League Baseball. So. It'll be very interesting to see what happens here over these next few days and whether or not we actually have a full season or if uh, if something doesn't get hammered out by the end of February, the, the league has said they will have to start canceling regular season games in addition to uh, uh, the truncated spring training schedule. So uh, very interesting things are afoot. 
Yeah, I believe uh, the yeah, so you said February 28th is uh, the drop dead date set by Major League Baseball, and they have also said, if I'm not mistaken, that the minute they start cutting games, those checks are gone. Players are not then going to get paid for a 162 game season. Correct? That is correct. And and interestingly enough, you know, prior to that, the players had already kind of uh, fired the preemptive shot across the bow and said, "Hey, uh, because the, one of the big points of emphasis here in in these negotiations is expanding the playoffs." Uh, owners want 14 teams in the playoffs, right? Seven per league. And the players have said, hey, if we're not paid for 162 games, you can kiss your expanded playoffs goodbye. And it's a very interesting tack from the league to say, we're not going to pay you. Once this starts, we're going to cancel games. You're not getting paid because at the end of the day, right? And, and players will lose some money, certainly by missing games. Uh, but owners have a far greater stake in the broadcast rights for the playoffs. That's where they get a majority of their actual broadcast rights. That's where they, they lie between Turner and Fox and, and the other um, uh, broadcast giants that pay all these billions of dollars, right, for these for these broadcast rights. It's not for the regular season. It's primarily for the playoffs. So if that is at risk, the owners stand to lose far more. So it feels like kind of an empty gesture by ownership because, again, they stand to lose out much more in that regard. But but yeah, that is what they have said. You're you're done. You're going to start losing game checks. You know, if we go go into March with this thing, but I don't know how much of that is legitimate because the owners will actually stand to lose more than the players do at that point. Well, let's uh let's go back. Baseball unfortunately has a a history littered with work stoppages. I mean, we've seen a cancelization of a World Series before. We had Don Fear, right? We had old Donald Fear. Everybody loved Donald Fear. He was the guy on the side of the players taking on old. Well, I guess it was Bud Selig at the time, wasn't it? Not wasn't Selig still the Major League Baseball Commissioner the last time? Um, let's see. So I know he was during some other, was he back in 94, 95? Probably. I'm trying to even remember. It, or it Faye Vincent. Back. Either yeah. way. Either yeah, way. It was, it was some douche nozzle who was right. uh, working on behalf of a bunch of other douche nozzles. I was just going to try to set up the cast of characters this time around. We, of course, have everybody's favorite commissioner. Somehow this guy has a least favorable rating than Roger Goodell and Gary Bettman, and that's absolutely amazing. We got Rod, Rob Manfred on the side of the Major League Baseball owners. Who are the uh, who are the cast of characters mainly out front representing the players? Uh, the, the one we're hearing the most about is Max Scherzer. Uh, who, you know, interesting enough, there was a whole, the AP had a tweet the other day about how he, how he showed up in a Porsche, you know, to the meetings as if this was like, as if a Porsche is like the ultimate sign of wealth where it's like, what if, what if, what if it had been a Maybach or like something even more ostentatious, like a Lamborghini, you know, like to me, a Porsche is actually kind of understated for a guy who's making 40 million a year, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so he's one of the big ones, Andrew Miller. Is another one I know. Clayton Kershaw, I think, has had had a little bit of a hand in it, but Scherzer seems to be the one who is really, really invested in this. He's been very vocal about it, uh, social media and with interviews, and he's been there in person at these meetings. So uh, I, I think for the players' side, he's on the executive committee, so he's definitely the the one that we're seeing the most of at this point. And uh, and I think again, if you if you know of him, if you followed the sport and have seen just kind of his personality. And uh, and how how fiery and, and kind of intense he is, uh, he seems like a pretty good guy to be representing the players at uh, at the bargaining table. So, Chris, down there in uh, North Carolina, you're uh, you're awfully uh, close to Florida. No spring training games are going on there, as you understand it right now. What what are the main issues? I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you because I'm not for sure I have any handle on it, and I know you like baseball a little bit more than me. What are the big issues that they got that they're fighting over right now, Chris? Uh, 
so Evan touched on like the expanded playoffs and things of that nature. I really think some of the larger issues that they're having has to do with player arbitration, the competitive balance tax, um, and then of course minimum salaries. Uh, I know with the competitive balance tax, the uh, amount of revenue that the owners are getting has far outpaced uh, the the threshold that they originally thought. I guess revenues have grown like 170% since 2003 uh, for Major League Baseball, while the tax threshold has only gone up half as much. So they're not equal. I know the players want to balance that out. And, of course, arbitration, manipulation of service time, um, those are some of the ones that I've seen as being the furthest apart between the players and the owners. Evan, how about you? What do you think the uh, what do you think the biggest impediment to these two sides coming together is? Because Chris did a pretty good job, I think, of laying out some of the issues there. Yeah, I mean, he, he nailed it. Uh, the the two biggest ones, and there there are some little things in there about uh, certainly service time manipulation. So there, there's some little. Um, little vehicles in place, right? Ideally to um, incentivize calling up top prospects right away rather than trying to leave them in the minors for 11 days like the, the Cubs did with Chris Bryant. Um, to, again, incentivize that. Um, they want to curb tanking if they can. They want to implement a draft lottery for the top several spots. Those are, there's little things here and there, right? But the two biggest issues are uh, how much is the minimum pay and, and what happens with those those players in their first three years, which are typically where they are subject to a salary minimum versus being arbitration eligible? And then where is that competitive balance tax threshold? And also what are the penalties for exceeding it? And, uh, and, and so the owners have been willing to increase it slightly, uh, that, that threshold, which was at $210 million, but their offer is to push it to $214 million and to leave it there for two years. Now I'm not good at math, uh, but if I'm if I'm looking at this, that's a little less than two percent uh, from one year to the next, and then it doesn't go up at all. And I don't know if anybody's heard about this inflation thing that happens <laughs> occasionally, but two percent over the course of two years is not necessarily keeping pace with that. And on top of that, they want to nearly double in most cases the penalties in addition to stiffening uh, the draft pick penalties. And so the players are looking at it saying you are are meaningfully decreasing our earning power uh, in a system in which, and I will say this too, right? So a lot of people, and I, and I think what people should really understand, and, and I want to make this really clear, it's very difficult, understandably so, for, for normal folks like us and like those who might be listening to this to feel sorry for a player who, if you make the league, is, is making a minimum of around $600,000. That's the right, kind of money. But, but what we're drilling down on here, yes. right, is there's a huge difference between yes. that and then what the top guy makes, right? Yes. And it's and then we got to talk about fairness there because you're absolutely right. None of us are going to cry for a man who makes it to the Major League Baseball level the show. But there's a whole bunch of guys that haven't quite made it to the show or maybe only get those first three years you're talking about that are quite frankly getting screwed. Let's just put it no other yes. way. They're getting screwed. So guys like Max Scherzer, who's representing the whole kit and caboodle, can drive in on a Porsche and make 40 a year. Yeah, and, and here's the issue, right? The reason he can make that much and, and owners are comfortable paying him that is because about 60% of the league is at that league minimum level, right? We're talking zero to three years. That's 60% of the league is in that. Most players never even reach arbitration, let alone free agency. Arbitration is after three years, free agency after six. 
uh, with, with some exceptions in there, right? So a vast majority are in that first three years. That's why they want to increase that minimum because, hey, that's cool if you're making 600 grand, but if, if the, the threshold of your career is like three years, that's not a whole lot when you look at your total earning power. Now what do you do? But here's the other issue. Not only, so people look at this. Average people say, well, my tickets cost more because these players get paid. First of all, that's not true. It's supply and demand, so let's get that clear. But here's the other big one. The, the median salary of a Major League Baseball player has gone from $1.65 million to $1.15 million over the last seven years. Whoa, whoa, now, whoa, wait a minute. It's gone down? It's gone down. It has dropped. How is that possible? Well, there's more people making the minimum exactly. and, and fewer people making those big max contracts. Yeah, but see, that's also going on in the NBA, and I don't think the NBA's average salary has gone down. I mean, I guess kudos to the evil baseball owners to figure out how to do this. My goodness. Yeah, and the other, the average salary has dropped as well over that same period. So over the last five, six, seven years, so that's where the, the, the and the average have dropped. No huge free agent ticket dollars, right? That's sort of what guys have pointed to the last couple of years. People have said that there's been a, you know, kind of collusion maybe amongst the owners to not pass out huge uh, dollars in the free agency the last couple of years. Hasn't that been a, a talking point? Yeah, like why would you want to pay $12 million a year to an aging 36-year-old first baseman when you could have a young 23-year-old first baseman that costs you six hundred grand a year. That's probably going to get you the same type of offensive stats. Yep, it's it's not. So the the issue in baseball is that we are seeing the giant contracts handed out to Max Scherzer and other guys like that, right? It's the guys in the middle that get squeezed because the the elite players are still going to make their monster contracts. You know, we 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 saw um, Corey Seager get a huge deal. We're going to see Carlos Correa still get a huge deal. Bryce Harper got his deal. Um, Lindor. All these guys, right? We get Tatis. But it's the guys in the middle because at that point, once you exceed about that $5 million level, you'd better be really, really good or they're just going to find that next guy coming up to replace you. And so that's or sometimes why, you can be really good and you get shipped out anyway. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe I'm doing this, but the Chicago Cubs are an example right here. I mean, Tom Ricketts basically came flat out and told all of us, I don't want to pay Chris Bryant. I don't want to pay Javi Baez. They're out of here. Yeah, and, th- and that's exactly the case because what were they able to do? They flipped them for guys that they picked up as prospects that they hope in the next few years they can develop into the players. And this is this is part of the reason. So I go back to this every time. And here's here's what I love, right, is, is folks who have been listening to the show for a while, you can go back into the archives and you can listen to uh, one I recorded a while back where I said what the Cubs were trying to do was flip from initially. They built their championship team on a bunch of young hitters and they paid a bunch of money for pitchers. And their hope at the time, and I think we recorded this, it was probably in 2016, 2017, the plan at the time was for them to flip that and to then develop pitchers so when they're paying for the hitters big time as they aged into their bigger contracts, they could have young pitchers coming up. It didn't work, right? You have to subsidize the highly paid players with young players who are coming up making the minimum. You don't have to, but that's obviously the choice the owners are making, right? And the Cubs were not able to do that, and so absent those young pitchers coming up, Ricketts said, well, can't pay the hitters. See you guys. We're going young again. So there you have it. Yeah, and see, and that's that's the other problem here, I think, right? The other problem here is that there's no way any of us are going to feel any sympathy for the owners, but they hold all the cards here, right? I mean, ultimately, Evan, we can feel for the Major League Baseball players in the middle and the guys at the bottom end and understand that they're getting squeezed and know that they deserve a better deal. But ultimately, the owners are going to get what they want because it's their ball and it's their dance floor, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and when you're talking about the, you know, again, people want to paint it millionaires versus billionaires or whatever you want to look at, but it's it's a very different style. You know, the owners do not look at this with the same perspective that we do as fans. You know, they 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 don't look at as much as people want to believe that this is about them making money hand over fist on a, on an individual annual basis. That's simply not the case. These owners, this is a giant investment for them. Uh, most of them have zero care whatsoever for the sport itself or even for, for what their team does outside of how their asset appreciates. And so when you look at an asset that is uh, almost future-proof in the sense that the Cubs, uh, as an example, right? I know they're banned, but I'm just using them as an example here. No, it's okay. I broke um, the seal. You're all right. Oh, that's true. Okay, good. Um, but when we heard about biblical losses that they suffered, right, during the 2020 season, these biblical losses Tom Ricketts spoke of, well, guess what? The franchise still appreciated by 5%, which is kind of a lot of money when you're already worth $3 billion on a $900 million investment. That's the key at the end of the day. These people aren't buying this. This is like saying, oh, I I bought a bunch of stock in Amazon just for the dividends. No, you didn't. You bought that stock because it would appreciate over time, and eventually you'd be able to sell it for a lot more money than what you paid for it. That's exactly what it is to buy a professional sports team. You do not buy it for the annual revenue. You buy it for the asset appreciation because you can sell out later for five and six times what you purchased it for. And in Ricketts' case, that could end up being $4 billion at some point. So they don't really care what happens on an annual basis. And in case anyone would like to challenge me on that, and many have, I am not speaking out of hypothesis. I'm not saying this because it's what I believe because of what I've seen. I'm speaking from this is the exact phrase or the exact thoughts that were spoken to me from an actual Major League Baseball owner. So, again, I'm not just talking out on backside. This is what they really think, and this is how they view it. Well, you know, and I should have mentioned this at the top. You guys can always check out Evan's great work at CubsInsider.com, right? He's got lots of great articles. You can follow him at D. Evan Altman on Twitter. you got Cubs Insider on Twitter. Lots of great stuff out there about the lockout. The only the only attention that I've paid to the lockout, Mr. Altman, has been due to your guys' superb coverage. So I, I, I commend you for that. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's generally not something I, I, I made a terrible joke the other day about, uh, you know, kind of covering this feeling like being Medina Spirit's jockey which is in terms of if you're not aware that it's kind of the beating the dead horse thing and it was a terrible joke and i I just made it again for the second or third time um but it is it's it's such a weird situation right because you had you referenced the lockout december 2nd the owners waited a full six weeks to even make their first proposal to the players so now we're hearing all this like well we're trying boy these owners and their good faith efforts and we're meeting every day like yeah but where was this in december you literally waited all of December and half of January. Well, I mean, there's Christmas begin. and New Year's, you know what I mean? And then Valentine's Day was around the corner. I mean, they had a lot of stuff to do, Evan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I totally understand it. You know, it's um, that those those first uh, 23 days in December there, boy, <laughs> it's, they're, they're just so full uh, from people who have literally locked out their labor force and have nothing else to do. Um, but, but I understand, you know, when you have that much money, it does take a lot of prep for the holidays and, and you do have to find ways to, uh, to spend those billions. So I, I totally understand it, but it is, it's so disingenuous. And that's the part that, that is bothersome is because the players kind of have to advocate for themselves for the most part. Whereas you have like these national talking heads whose, you know, whose breath probably smells like, I don't know, the soles of boots or, or shoe polish or whatever, 
because they're doing so much bootlicking of these owners. For sure. And just putting out these narratives. Like They the need the train to get running to again, too. Let's be oh. honest. Like you're saying right here, yeah. they need the train to get running again, too. They're sick of covering the lockout. Mr. Yeah. King, you're a big baseball guy down there in North Carolina. You, you carry the torch for baseball more than I do on this podcast. Where are you at right now? I mean, are you completely bummed out? Are you more angry at one side? Where are you at right now on this? I, I mean, I'm kind of bummed out. It's always fun when – Pitchers, catchers, reports of spring training. You know, baseball is right around the corner. Opening day is great. Um, I don't know. Like, I tend to be on the player's side. Um, I do think the minimum salary could be raised. I also think they need to raise the salaries of the minor league players as well. Uh, But part of this is really to be blamed on the players as well. Not necessarily the current players, but past players and past negotiations and CBAs that they signed. It's really tough to get things to change once they've been put in a collective bargaining agreement, and that's where they find themselves right now. So, yeah, I'm for the players, but I think they really kind of put themselves in this hole by not negotiating well enough in the past. Yeah, they definitely like to, to battle with one another more adversarial than it almost seems like any other sports league does. But let's 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 leave all the lockout talk aside. Mr. Altman. Do you believe we will see baseball this year, or are we going to see a complete nuclear scenario where these owners dig in so much that like baseball might be at risk in 2022? Uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll absolutely see it. I, I think what you've got, and, and here's interestingly enough, right? Like we've, we've bagged on and for very good reason, um, you know, Silver Spoon, Tom Ricketts. But here, here's the deal. The Cubs are one of those franchises that really need like the Rays – could just not have a season at all. If the, if the Tampa Rays, Tampa Bay Rays, didn't play a season, they'd still make a crap ton of money because then they don't have to pay their payroll and they still get the the you know the salary or the um, uh, competitive balance from other people, right, to get revenue sharing. They're good. They don't really care. The Cubs need people to show up at Wrigley. The Cubs need people to populate their hotels and their restaurants and their bars and their rooftops. Like, if they don't have a season... They are up a creek in a bad way. And the same thing could be said for the Yankees and the Red Sox, the other big market clubs. The really small market clubs don't have as much in this. And so I I do think you'll see as much as the owners want to break the ranks of the union, I think there's going to be some division amongst those owners if they do start getting to the point. Like, to me, the threat of starting to cancel games is more one of those that, that feels like like kind of almost like Tom Smikowski from Office Space. Like, do you understand who I am? I'm a people person. I work with people. <laughs> like they're, they're they're throwing it out like this threat. It's like ah, no, it doesn't really work. But they're they're getting a little panicked uh, because some of these folks are going to lose out a lot more than others. Because if you get a big TV contract, if you really rely on the, the on the gate, and you need these things to happen then, you know, again, I, I think they'll push for it. So we will have something. Whether it's a full 162 or not, I don't know. But we'll, we'll, we'll have baseball, yes. How, how great is that, that we are now sitting in a scenario where your Pittsburgh Pirates, your Kansas City Royals, your San Diego Padres, your, your, also ran, your Florida Marlins, your Tampa Rays, these guys are all just like, yeah, fine, go ahead, Red Sox and Cubs and Yankees and Dodgers. You guys don't play with your huge payrolls. We're good. I love that, that the small markets have the, the power in this completely effed up situation right now. Yeah, I mean, they need, it's got to be 23 owners to vote on it, right? So out of 30, if eight owners are like, nah, we're good, then the rest of them are hosed. You know, it doesn't matter. And so, uh, although at the same time, you know, you do get to the point now where it's like, 
hey, you boys in the small market running this and, and just kind of like living fat off the, uh, or a li- living fat and sassy off of the money that we're generating for you that we have to share, uh, at some point, you know, that could turn against them, right? Because if, if this is one of those deals where a lot of those big market teams and those owners with a lot more clout decide eventually they're like, Hey, um, we don't really dig this revenue sharing thing all that much. You know, we, we, you know what players we're, we're kind of cool with you on that. We, we actually want to side with you on cutting some of these guys out of that and, and implementing things like a high salary floor. That'd be interesting. You know, that, that could happen. Cause I, you know, again, baseball doesn't have a real cap it has a soft cap, which serves the same as, as others. But, uh, if you implemented a floor, that's what would really change things because teams like uh, the Rays or the Marlins or the Athletics could no longer operate at these just incredible bargain basement rates. They would have to start paying their players a lot more. I'm glad you threw in the A's there because Oakland A's fans were actually mad at us for not mentioning them as a small market. They're like, hey, come on, can we get some yeah. of this small market love? Yeah, we got Of course, as they say that, here, here's my favorite part, right? We talk small market. We talk about like, oh, they can't possibly compete. And yet, you know, the the Athletics are sitting here talking about how they got to trade off all their players. They let Bob Melvin, their manager, go because they didn't want to pay him a couple million dollars. Like, let him go for nothing, literally. And yet, their owner is scouting out, like, billion-dollar plots of land in Las Vegas to potentially move them. So I'm like, wait, hold on. You can't afford even a $100 million payroll, and yet you're looking for a billion-dollar plot of land. I see how this is, right? So that's when these owners cry poor, let's be honest about how this stuff is working out. It's just because they don't want to pay these guys. It's not because they can't. They, they just want to be able to pocket the money in a different way. Uh, and that's what it comes down to. You can spend a billion dollars on real estate, pretty sure you could operate a legitimate payroll. Well, let's uh, let's spin this forward here before we, uh, before we let you go. So the last time we had a significant work stoppage in baseball, the fans stayed away. You could definitely see that the game was harmed, and we needed Mark McGuire and Sammy Steroid to start taking them anabolic juice and bring fans back to the game. We have already seen a steady decline in baseball viewership over the last couple of years before this work stoppage. What kind of shape do you think the game you love so much is going to be in with the fans whenever this does get done, Mr. Altman? It's not going to be good. Um, if they if they do end up missing games to a meaningful degree, right? And, and I think what's even worse is we saw it start to happen, the, the COVID season of 2020, when, you know, it got delayed, and understandably so initially, but then the two sides kind of bickered over it, and it got started later than what it could have been. Um, couldn't have fans in the stands. We couldn't have as many fans in the stands as last season until it ramped up in some places. So you've already got a situation in which fans were forced to go find some other forms of entertainment during that 2020 season and, and kind of realize it's like, uh, like me, uh, with the walking dead. And I stopped watching it for a while and I kind of realized that, eh, you know what? I didn't really miss it. I'm not going back to it. And if that happens again, I think that's a, a pretty apt analogy because baseball will be, in a sense, the Walking Dead, to where it just sort of outlived. Uh, maybe that's perhaps the wrong word. No, to that, say. no, that's a great you know, analogy, especially for this podcast. As much as we talk TV on this podcast, and if you go back in our annals, we probably talked the talking the Walking Dead up its first couple of years, and we haven't mentioned it since. So I think that's actually a great analogy. But yeah, and that's that's what it comes down to is like a lot of people will start to realize like. You know, I don't miss it as much as I thought I would because we've got so many other distractions to take us away from it. And and, and I just, I don't know, you know, how smart it is to, uh, you know, it's like, boy, I got this goose laying a golden egg, but 
damn it, I'm hungry. And so I, I got to wring its neck and cook it up for dinner. And it's like, cool. You just got one dinner, owners. Uh, yep. And now you've got no more golden eggs. So, you know, good on you. I'm glad you were thinking for the for the immediacy, you know, rather than the long term. And that's really what this comes down to. This is the owners. They have a monopoly. They have antitrust protection. So we we got to be really honest here about who's running this whole thing. Absolutely. And it's their ball. It's, it's their it, ball. They can take yeah. it and go home if they want to. They just and, can. Absolutely. And uh, and it's just, it's it's going to be bad. It's going to be in really bad shape. Although, the, the one twist, and I'll offer this and I'll tie it back to what you had mentioned, is because there is no collective bargaining agreement in place, there's also no drug testing. So maybe these players could just juice up now in the meantime, and then when it comes uh, yeah. back, just blasting dingers out on the wavelength left and right, and then uh, then they bring it back, just like Sammy and McGuire. Let's go. Let's go. All right, Chris, let's let's finish it here. We have we we have the two sides represented on this podcast. Mr. Altman just described me to a T, right? I made my big Tom Ricketts speech last year. I said, how dare you, Tom Ricketts? I deleted the baseball app from my phone. Did not follow the Cubs any last year. Did not pay an iota of attention to the baseball playoffs last year. And I did not miss it. It was glorious. I picked up the Smartless podcast. I started playing PlayStation 2 again. Yeah, that's right. PlayStation 2. I'm old. Come at me. Chris, I know you feel differently. But are you going to make baseball pay a penance if and when they come back this year? Um... Yeah, I will. Um, one thing that I think baseball has a problem with is their regular season broadcast rights and the local regional sports networks that control different rights for different teams for different lengths of time. It is becoming harder and harder to watch your team or the team you want to watch on a nightly basis. and But to be fair, watching television becomes very hard for someone your age. To be fair. Okay, to be fair to uh, baseball. Yeah. But it's not supposed to be that hard. <laughs> right? Like, <clears throat> if baseball wants more people to watch and more people to start showing up at games, make it available for people to view. And I know that's going to be tough because I know some teams have these local broadcast rights that run till 2045, I think. Some teams it's, have their own network. Yeah, exactly. And if if MLB wants more people to watch and more people to be invested and not turn their back, make it easier to view. I mean, you have each team is supposed to have 162 games. That's a lot of games over the summer. It should not be hard to find your favorite team twice a week somewhere. But it's almost impossible. And besides, the owners don't make that much money from the broadcast rights during the regular season. They get it from the playoffs, like Evan said earlier. So maybe shorten the season, expand the playoffs if they want to make more money. And then give the players a little bit more what the, of what they want for the regular season. All right, there we go. There's a suggestion from Mr. King as to what baseball might be able to do to uh, improve its lot with the fans when it does come back. Mr. Altman, do you have a suggestion for any baseball owner that may be listening to this fabulous Balls and Brew podcast here on the Morgan Eno Podcast Network? Well, my first thought is that actually something Chris said there could very much be used because if anybody has watched or listened to Major League Baseball over the last few years, you know they very much cater to old white dudes. Uh, so you're going to have Cialis and Viagra commercials, and he said it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> and so that, that I feel like that should be, you know, hey, it, you know, have a segment. It shouldn't be that hard presented by Viagra. Um, but uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, no, I would just say, like, get your heads out of your backsides. Move toward the middle on some of these things. Like, acquiesce to some of the stuff the players are doing. Uh, it, it's sort of like when you get a call in, in basketball or any other sport, you know, that goes your way that you know shouldn't have. 
And you're like, eh, you know what? I, I, I don't mind the ref giving a makeup call on the other side. You know you've hosed the players the last two CBAs. I mean, absolutely, the owners have just pulled the wool over their eyes, raked them over the coals. Give a little now. Because at the end of the day, you're going to end up making so much more from those expanded playoffs, from fans being able to come to those games. You know, again, make it easier to watch. Let's get this thing going. Giving a little now is not going to hurt as much. Like, it might be your pride. I feel like the Marcellus Wallace speech from, uh, from Pulp Fiction, <laughs> right? That's just your pride. What he's telling Butch, that's just your pride. I'll messing with you. I'll clean it up. And, and you know, F pride is what he said. That's what they need right now. Just step aside. Let's get this thing moving because guess what, man? Everybody wins in the end. If you let this go, you do not need to screw over the players again. It's fine. But, uh, but, but, you know, there again. And, and the thing is, though, I can't quit it. I can't. I will be there right from day one from the jump because, yeah, guess what? I operate a blog that depends on the sport operating. So, um, we'll, we'll see, man. But it, I will still have a very, very sour taste in my mouth and we'll, we'll maintain it if the owners, uh, cost us some baseball here. And Rod, Listen. you really should start watching the Cubs now. Maybe it'll give you some nostalgia of the early 90s teams or the late, late 80s or mid 90s, you know, when we weren't all that good, constantly struggling to stay out of the cellar. Maybe it'll be that nostalgia that brings you back to watching the Cubs games. Is Tom Rickett still the owner of the Cubs? You know, he, the wasn't, answer to he that. wasn't in the old ones. Well, I know, and I love the old Cubs, but is then Tom Rickett still the owner company. of the Cubs? Who can't love the Tribune Company? What a what a warm, fuzzy, large corporation <laughs> to embrace. Listen, I, there are there are many contradictions that make up a Rod Morgan, but one of them is that I can no longer support Tom Rickett. So it's going to be awfully tough for me as long as that guy owns the team. I'm sure I will break and come back at some point. But I want to point out that Mr. Altman just proved why he is a Hall of Famer. He referenced Pulp Fiction while giving a corollary for baseball that they need to give a little because in the long run it will be better than every for everybody. I think that's good advice for America on so many fronts right now, not just baseball. That's why you're a Hall of Famer, Mr. Altman. I appreciate it. And and one thing I will say here, right, to those of you who are listening, uh, to those who, whether you are maybe, perhaps you're in the South Bend area, perhaps you're uh, around Myrtle Beach, maybe you're in Des Moines, uh, you know, maybe you're in, in, in uh, Eastern Tennessee. There are many Cubs affiliates. There are a ton of minor leagues. Minor league baseball is still proceeding as usual. If you're in the Indianapolis area, the Indianapolis Indians are great. And the Iowa Cubs come in Indianapolis twice a year now. Go support your local minor league team. I know they still have affiliations, obviously, with the, again, I refer to them as douche nozzles. Uh, perhaps you, you could come up with a, a more couth term. But, uh, but again, go support those guys. Go out and see them. Buy those tickets. Go watch minor league baseball. That's the sport at its purest. And, uh, you know, again, uh, even if we don't have the, the majors, there are ways you can go get your baseball Jones in that are going to cost you a lot less money, and you're going to see some of these guys who are super, super pumped to have you out at the ballpark and will give you their best every uh, every single night. So go check out Minor League Baseball one way or the other. Yeah, well, go down to Tampa Bay and watch the first female uh, manager ever in professional baseball. Yes. You can go hang out with your fellow retirees down there in Tampa too, Chris. You can kill two birds with one stone right there, buddy. Hey, that's what I'm all about. 
All right, Mr. Altman, when you come check out the South Bend Cubs at Four Winds Field, make sure you give me a heads up. I will be there, and the first beer will be on me. All right, my friend? I will do it. I, uh, I was there last year. I should have let you know. I got to sing the seventh inning stretch. It was awesome. Got to see some really uh, some really great stuff out there. So uh, South Bend's a wonderful ballpark. I love it. I really want to get down. Folks, listen, I don't know if they're still doing direct flights from South Bend to Myrtle Beach, but get down to Myrtle Beach. If you are a Cubs fan in particular, because I'm telling you, that Myrtle Beach Pelicans lineup is going to be stacked. And I'm talking top five to ten prospects in the Cubs system up and down the order along with the pitchers. Myrtle Beach will be the place to be. Find yourself a reason, as if you need a reason to get down to Myrtle Beach for vacation anyway. Go down there. Check it out. Um, you will. You can thank me later and and you know follow my advice and then buy me a beer afterwards i'll buy you a beer if you go down there and you don't like it oh Visit i'm, I'm gonna go now i'm an hour and 10 minutes away so i'm there and yeah, i was gonna say chris it. nothing but nothing but happy memories for you in myrtle beach right chris oh that's 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 a little bit of a low blow there rod <laughs> oh i'm sorry that was terrible of me mr alvin i appreciate you so much for taking some time out on a thursday night and joining us this evening we will probably have you back to check in on baseball at some point, or we'll just have you back to talk some other frivolity, because I know you've been on this podcast a few times before talking Christmas traditions, Major League beer. You're a man of many expertise, so thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. Frivolity is my middle name. All right. We will be back on the other side, uh, either wrapping this show up or talking to another uh, old friend of ours. Stick around to find out which it is. All right, we are back. That was a pretty darn good segment there from uh, Mr. Altman. Chris, did you uh, did you learn anything new about this baseball lockout? I know you were pretty well writ- read up on it more than me because you, you actually still like baseball, but did you learn anything <laughs> from Mr. Altman? There isn't a single episode where Evan Altman isn't on that I don't learn something. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. That's a very, very good point. We were hoping to be joined by our old friend, Mr. Matt Roberts, our guy out in the desert. He's actually on location in Florida with his job tonight, and we wanted to have him on to talk about the crazy comments from our guy Phil Mickelson. Chris, did you happen to catch these comments? Yeah, and what's crazy is he made these comments back in November, apparently, during an interview, and they're just now coming out. Yeah, and there's a, there's a whole lot to be discussed about this. We are not going to take our bite at the apple. We are just going to tease that we are definitely going to have Mr. Roberts on to do some Masters talk, and we will broach the Phil Mickelson yeah. topic with him when we have him on here in a couple of weeks for Masters. I mean, you may see there may be lawsuits and antitrust lawsuits happening by that time, too. This thing could go crazy. Absolutely. So we're going to have our golf expert go over that with Chris and I in the future. We're going to have Mr. Williams on here real soon because we got a college basketball selection. Sunday is just around the corner. Plenty of things happening here on Balls and Brew in the future, right, Chris? I cannot wait for March Madness. It's it's my favorite four weekends of the year. You love March Madness. I love the Masters. Both of those are in our future here on Balls and Brew, as well as plenty of NBA talk, which will be our anchor here as we round towards the uh, the nonstop slog that is the NBA playoffs. As much as I love the NBA, Chris, i got to admit the playoffs seem like they take forever. Right, but it makes them a lot of money. That sure does. So we will be discussing all of that stuff in the future. Thank you so much to all of you out there for listening. Do us a favor. You can leave us a five-star rating on Spotify now. You've always been able to do it on iTunes. Do us a favor. Give us a comment. Give us a five-star rating. We appreciate it. Thanks to Mr. Jamriska for producing. 
Thanks to Mr. King for co-hosting. Thanks to Evan Altman for coming on. And as always, Chris, the final word goes to you. Goodbye, Internet.